0: To the overthinking it TV recaps podcast, where we subject the best, the worst, the sassiest, the sauciest shows on television to a level of scrutiny they probably don't deserve, Uh, gentlemen. Because there are no ladies on this podcast. This is this is three gentlemen here today uh, to discuss a show that I have to say, despite it being rather a crass entertainment, uh, in its sort of uh, in the in the, the urges it satisfies, the soap opera urges that it satisfies. I missed this show. I missed Downton Abbey, gentlemen. Have you missed Downton Abbey as much as I have?
1: Uh, yes, absolutely, uh, absolutely,
0: absolutely, absolutely. Okay, <laughs> let me
1: explain. The- uh, now, what, what the crass? This we should say this is the Downton Abbey TV yes. TV recap because we got a bunch going at the same time. But Pete, how can you describe a show where black tie is dressing down <laughs> <laughs> as being crass?
0: We'll get into that. We'll get into that. But let me bring everybody up to speed. It's the new season of Overthinking It TV Recaps. We've got Downton Abbey running for you on audio only since it's a little low-tech, since we're trying to be retro. We can't deal with these mixers that are throwing plates all over the floor. Today we'll be covering episode one of season four of Downton Abbey. We also have video live streaming on YouTube, Google Hangouts, plus video on our YouTube channel Overthink It. And uh, and also on here on the podcast feed, audio feed, you'll be hearing community recaps, which is very exciting. New season of community is up and running and then uh god willing and the crick don't rise we'll be having sherlock for you in a few weeks which is going to be really exciting and then it's a couple months until some of the other heavy hitters start coming uh winter is here but game of thrones is still a few months off but we must begin with the abbey uh we don't really start with a question of the week on the tv recaps but i think what we do like to start with is is a is a paradigmatic scene a uh, scene that we feel, especially in Downton Abbey, since it's written in, in the sense that even minor scenes are very heavily loaded with exactly what's going on in this scene. Uh, so, so, gentlemen, I'll, I'll, let, me, let me introduce you guys to the panel, and you tell me if you felt like, let us introduce you guys to the listenership, and you tell them whether you thought there was a paradigmatic scene for this first episode of Downton Abbey. Uh, first, Ben Adams. Ben, how are you doing this evening?
2: I'm doing well. You know, it's, uh, it is the job of an overthinker to, to podcasts. So, <laughs> so
0: you're right. well, does that job matter, Ben? Does that job matter? Uh, no, yeah, yeah. Go, by all means. What was your paradigmatic scene?
2: Uh, I, you know, that's a—so this episode kind of caught me a little flat-footed just because it kind of starts in a way that I think, like, an American show would not have started. It would have started, like, seconds after Matthew's death. Right. And us seeing, like, the aftermath and all of that. Whereas this starts, like, six months in. So I actually had to, like, check to make sure I hadn't missed an episode. Mm-hmm. Uh, and yeah. so the, the, the paradigmatic scene for that was hiring the former maid, Edna, mm-hmm. who I knew it was, could recognize but cannot for the life of me remember the plot line that was involved here. Yes, <laughs> me neither, definitely. Uh, so I guess that, that would be it.
1: But now that she's, now that she's a lady's maid, we have to call her Braithwaite.
0: Yes. Braceway, it's not Edna. And she she had had a sort of uh, a thing with Carson, with, um oh gosh, I now have to remember with, all with these Tom. names. All Branson. With, uh, with Branson. We mix up Branson and Carson. Uh, so her and Branson had kind of a thing, and she had to resign uh, in order to kind of save face for everybody. But she got a good reference, and so she got to come back because the reference was really good, and they couldn't back up the fact that they had lied about the quality of her general performance. I,
2: and, I, um, and I can... I can justify that scene being paradigmatic in a little more serious way, which is, uh, I think this episode highlighted the, the very personal. And so as a result, very uncertain nature of the, you know, kind of upstairs downstairs relationship that Mosley is, his life was completely changed by his employer's death. Like Matthew dying had the big, arguably the biggest impact on Mr. Mosley. Cause he's like out on the street as a result of the death. Yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Which I think is very interesting, and Edna is kind of in a similar situation where, she, as a result of this personal relationship, she had her employment has been impacted in this in this very strange way. Interesting.
0: Cool, uh, Matt. Rather, uh, how are you doing, and what are your paradigmatic scenes? Hello.
1: Oh, I'm smashing, Pete. I'm smashing. Um, so I, I had two, and they, they both involve the Dowager Countess. One, oh. one came very near the beginning when uh, the stone is being laid onto. Matthew Crawley's grave, and they explain that it uh, the and uh, it's being done by I suppose the stonemason or the the head of the stonemasons is um, uh, Mosley's father, uh, Mos- Mosley S- uh, Senior. And I should point out that both of my scenes have to do with senior characters in the show uh, talking to one another because I think that this this was an episode that was very much about cross generational acti- cross generational relationships and what the generations do for each other and the provision of care uh, across the generations especially uh, especially by women but then with kind of a threat that comes up from from the the younger women um, but uh, uh the Dowager countess is is speaking with mosley's father and uh uh he he points out that you know times are changing and and she looks at him with her inimitable maggie smith glare and says you don't have to tell me that <laughs> <laughs> you know because she knows very well uh, right as the representative of history and or maybe more of tradition as the representative of of tradition and tradition's self-conception as an unchanging uh, stable entity. Um, she knows very well that it's changing. But uh, later on, she has a, a conversation with Violet, with uh, Mrs. Crawley, um, Matthew's mother, and uh, she, who says that she would have gone down to the Abbey to see George Moore, um, but she didn't want a medal. Right, and uh, and the Dowager Countess says it is the place of a grandmother. To metal, <laughs> and I thought, and this this was, um, you know, the idea, the idea of times, the idea of times changing, and having these kind of uh, having these parallel parallel tracks or s- sort of parallel experiences that are kind of out of phase with one another in terms of the the generational interpretation of current events and how they. Address one another and interact with with one another, kind of sort of passing the baton from from one parallel track to the next, and um, negotiating over interpretation of events and and how things should go from one track to the next, seemed to me to be um, to be important in this episode. And the idea of the the idea of the provision. Uh, of care across generations, whether it's the nanny's provision of care to the children or, uh, Mrs. Hughes's provision of care to Carson's, uh, old, um, performing buddy, old, like, uh, duo act, uh, partner, um, uh, Mr. Carson, this is a man you sang and danced with, you know, doesn't that count for anything? (laughs) I think I was doing James Doohan doing Scotty there, but, um, (laughs) right and uh and then everyone everyone and carson uh carson pushing in as he puts it later uh on mary um, and then the kind of broken relationship between mary and george and between mrs crawley and and george it seemed to me that those that that was a uh, that that was a concern of this episode And so those are Those are my two uh, Paradigmatic scenes The times there are changing And uh, And Oh it's the place Of a grandmother To interfere What about you Pete Fenzel <laughs> What did you think well,
0: Before we move on I wanted to say A couple more things About the two scenes That you identify Because yeah. I definitely thought that They were interesting scenes And for me With Downton Abbey I feel like The insight The doorway That I use It works for me It makes it pleasurable For me to interpret The episode it Almost always comes From an offhand comment About some sort of Sort of object or activity uh, that then creates sort of a a perspective, right? It sort of frames a perspective that you can use to aesthetically or, you know, semiotically or what have you, character wise, plot wise, action wise, appreciate the rest of what's happening in the story. So for the first scene that you mentioned, where they're talking about the gravestone, I I, I love the statement. It takes six months for the grave to settle, right? It's right. like, I can't believe right, right, it's right. time for the stone. Right, 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 exactly. Which is, you know, they're talking about the episode, right? Like, they're talking about, <laughs> like, they're, they're, they're very clearly knowledgeable about the fact that they're in a TV show and are metaphorically letting the audience know what's happening in this episode of the television show. I mean, not, not 100% literally, but, like, sort of figuratively, that's kind they're, of the role of the mentioning they're not, this. They're
2: not Zach Morris turning to the camera and talking to the, the audience. No, 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 no. But they definitely are like, you know. <laughs> Saved by the gong. Yeah. <laughs> But yeah, no,
0: they're definitely like you know, Jack Bauer explaining, no, Chloe, we have to do these three things in this order, in this episode, or else horrible consequences are going to happen, right? And we only have 45 minutes to do it, right? They're explaining the role of the episode within the context of the series while you're watching it. Um, and I mean, that's not really so insightful, that statement. It's, it's just sort of sets context. But I thought it was interesting from a kind of a interpretive perspective. And then the other one was, I loved, I just love the line, just because you're an old widow, I see no necessity to eat off a tree. (laughs) (laughs) which, (laughs) Which I think ties into like Which ties more into my paradigmatic scenes which I usually look for something that's totally out of left field to provide kind of a distance. Uh, and the first one was the one where the cousin, who I describe in my notes while watching the, season, so watching the episode as uncomfortably contemporarily attractive, right? That She seems to not quite fit in with the teens and 20s aesthetic that they're going for. Um, I don't remember what her name is. I don't remember the names of some of these characters. Uh, forgive me. But um, she goes to post the job listing. For the lady's maid in the little shop in town, right? And she's like, I'd like to post a, a notice for a job. And the woman asks, Well, what job is it? And she says, Does it matter? Right. And in, in that sense, if you sort of see that as a as a wink at the audience, you can see the episode as breaking down a series of everybody's jobs and giving you cases for why they might matter independently of, of what they are. Right. Or also what their larger context might be socially, which is a lot of what Downton Abbey is about in general, which is, you know, what are these jobs, this era of job transition, of life transition for people where they're moving to a more sort of industrial life, less sort of aristocratic, agrarian kind of life. Thank <laughs> you. You know, a little late for the party in terms of the industrial revolution, but these are these are conservatives. They take their time, Uh, but yeah, all these different jobs that people have over the course of the show that get defined and redefined. Oh, you're not a mother; you're a grandmother. Like, oh, I'm I'm not a mother; I'm nothing. You're not nothing; you're a grandmother, right? Like, oh, this is Carson. Why should he listen to you? Because you he has your best interests at heart. Because his job has been to be your butler, what have you, since you were a little child, right? Everything from you know the the I'm I'm staff, but I'm not. That kind of staff, which is what the nanny says to Thomas when uh, she's trying to explain to him that he has to take his orders before he gets her outed for her, her uh, know-nothingness, for her, for, her being, <laughs> uh, for her being on the side of Daniel Day-Lewis and the gangs of New York and all that other business. So that's one way to see the episode, uh, I thought, as in terms of a paradigmatic scene. I had a whole list of a bunch of other things, you know, Mosley's job being a big one. What does Mosley's job mean to him? Why does it matter to him? Why can't he just get any other job, right? What about that dead-biting line where the countess or what have you, the visitor, Lady Shackleford or whatever her name is, says, oh, I'm sure you'll get to return to whatever profession for which you're properly trained, Right and like, what does that mean about him and his identity? What does it mean for Daisy to be friend of the robots? Right, like and like the invasion of the robots into the kitchen. Well, right, but this is. Other,
1: yeah. I mean, like, because there's there's a threat. There's like a constant sense of job. I I kind of looked at it generationally, but a job or livelihood being threatened, right? Like by automation in the kitchen or by sabotage in the case of the 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 lunch with Mosley when uh, he's he's being sold uh, to you know. Know, Mrs. Piggly Wiggly, and, yes. and the uh, you know that um so that that your job your job matters and or doesn't and by the way um it, it's never steady right it's never it's never something that that is certain you know God's in His heaven all's right with the world great chain of being lined up in a in a perfect pyramid you know from the the lowliest of the servants from the lowliest of the people in the dickensian workhouse all the way up to the almighty right the
0: downest of the downstairs to the uppest of the upstairs right (laughs) (laughs)
1: Um, there's always there's this new sense uh that's novel at least for the the upper class british people that you know people are are on the climb right braithwaite is on the climb you know uh mosley is is uh, has got his standards up, you know, and can't just go anywhere anymore. Um, th- that, uh, that this kind of upward mobility uh, is, is beginning to happen.
0: Yeah. And so, I mean, there's, I think, two, totally on point, two things I would want to mention about that. The first one ties directly into what I thought was my second paradigmatic scene, but the second one I'll jump to right after that. And the first is the scene where uh, Carson gets the letter. From his song and dance duo partner. And he makes an offhand comment. About how he needs to talk to the upholsterer. Because he needs to. uh, He needs to introduce them to the quality of the tapestries. Before he begins hammering nails into them. Right. And he says it with disdain. Right. He he needs to understand the quality of the tapestry on the chairs. Before he starts slamming nails into them. And then Mrs. Hughes says. And I couldn't make him see that. Right. Which, Which to me ties in two of the different uh, ideas in this episode and, of course, the whole series because this is kind of like a resetting episode that sets the rules for the series. One is like this is an episode where you're going to meet all the characters again and you're going to get a sense for who they are and then a series of horrible things are going to happen and or more disruptive things than. Right, where it's like, you know, and then Carson is gonna have an ATM dropped on top of his face, right? Like, although sometimes it goes in that direction. Um, but it's like, then a bunch of disruptive things are going to happen, and we're gonna see, you know, how, how everybody handles it. Because this is all about social change. It's not just about the people in relationships being damaged, it's about the perspective of the people that that is allowed to frame everything that's happening, right? It's, it's you know, there, there's a disruptive element merely to, Passing around the conch in a sort of uh, Lord of the Flies kind of way, giving different people the power to speak, giving different people the power to kind of frame the circumstances. And I think this, this ties into the other thing that I was going to mention. So if there's one through line through all this that is everybody's job or aspiration to a job or job you've had in the future or in the past and the greater question of well, what do these jobs mean to people – Greater to a greater degree than just what function do they serve in the economy? And then, if on the other side, there's a through line of the passage of generations, what do the past and the future have to do with each other? What is it like to be a member of the past generation or the future generations? What is happening as one generation passes to the next? Where is the intersection of employment and the passage of generations better expressed than this question of inheritance and the issue of gener- the generational inheritance issue that's happening around Robert and Mary and George? Right which is I think both it's it's both it's intersection both of the jobs that all these people have, what those jobs mean to them, and also what does it mean for these generations to be passing from one to the other uh, and in that sense, I think we kind of come to a uh, not a unity, but something closer to a unity than what we had previously about what's happening to everybody here. Because it's not like the passage of generations in this particular model is independent from employment. Because we're in an aristocratic model where there's a lot of inheritance issues, and there's a lot of you know bloodlines are important to people, or related to is important, and that dictates what people's jobs are. I mean, these are people whose job it is to be in the family that they are in, and to live the life that that family. You know, we we heard so much last season about being an employer in the town. And that's kind of their role, right? Um, so I don't know. That, that's sort of – if we combine the what you were talking about as the par- paradigmatic scenes and what I was talking as the paradigmatic scenes, I get, think we get to a place uh, where it, it kind of all comes together. But I do think the episode might have been a little scattered just because there seem to be so many different things that it's about. But that's also because it's trying to push the whole wagon, get the whole thing moving again after what felt like a very you know dead stop that it came to at the end of the Christmas Well, special. sure.
1: And if, if the um... – you know, if the the last season I think was was setting us up for right uh, not uh, not the Scotland visit that that included the death of Matthew Crawley, but the the uh, cricket match at the end of season three where Branson, Robert, and Matthew are all sort of freeze framed together, yeah. right?
0: <laughs> I, Karate Kid, high five,
1: literally. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah. At the end. And it's, and it's kind of like, well, here's the team, you know, like, here's what it takes to, to face down the, the relentless passage of time. Um, you know, uh, tradition and, um, sort of respect from the upper class and the older generation, innovative ideas and, and business savvy. And then, you know, roll up your sleeves work from the, from the lower class, uh, or from the working class, I guess. Um, the, uh, uh, because, you know, it's, it, uh, rankles my sensitivities to, to call them lower, uh, <laughs> though, though I suppose they are downstairs, uh, while the family are upstairs. Um, right. This is what it's going to take. And then with, um, you know, with the actor leaving the show and, and also the actor playing O'Brien leaving the show. I mean that's what that's that's what all this is about. You know, you kind of have to not not do an about face, but you have to retrench a little bit and sort of figure out your new um, figure out your new strategy. And and the thing that's that's happening, and I mean spoiler alert, I've watched the whole Watch the whole season. Um, I
0: have not. I have not watched the whole season. So we have a va- variety of opinions on the uh, on the podcast <laughs> as we're on the recap. Yeah.
1: Um, but, yeah. The uh, uh, what what you see happening is Mary is being put at the center of it, right? <laughs> and so rather rather than being the the Matthew Tom uh, Lord Grantham season, it's it's now the Mary season, right? <laughs> and it's kind of like what's going to. Um, uh, you know what's going to happen what's going to happen to Mary and uh and also um is going to be sort of the the woman season right like yeah. young uh young rose uh, you know rose is, that's her name got it yeah yep. is going to be uh who who you describe as uncomfortably contemporarily attractive um, <laughs> he's going to be a flapper uh which she
0: was last season too But it's going to be To an even greater degree No doubt
1: Yeah as exactly progress, like, yeah. You know you see that Like people are going To London a lot So London's going to be uh, Like we're adding yeah. that As a poll Right yeah. uh, London and Yorkshire The city and the country
0: I just don't tell me Whether this happens Because I don't want to know Any sp- any spoilers past This first episode So far we don't have any But I don't want to have Any spoilers past This first episode no, But I'm really looking forward To the Nazi adventures Of Lady Edith <laughs> I'm really hoping I'm really hoping That Edith is sitting there When the beer hall push happens and she's like excuse me but polite people are trying to enjoy their beverages
1: <laughs> <laughs> the um right uh yeah going to germany in the 20s right now hindsight is always is always 2020 yes. uh you know but um doesn't seem like the wisest doesn't seem like the wisest idea but sure
0: peace it's the right decision to make Pete, it's the, the right right the, decision to make the war German is
1: train. over peace so, you know, the <laughs> biggest problem with Germany is that they're the most reviled people and the most <laughs> reviled race in Europe now. In your-
0: yes, exactly. <laughs> Why would you want to go to a country like Germany where other people wouldn't like you? <laughs> like- <laughs> <laughs> where you know the letting alone of course uh the people whose dislike might be the most troublesome what what year are we in by the way let's like let's some basic information i don't really know what year this 1922
1: is i think there's a subtitle that 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 puts it in 1922
0: so the beer hall putsch is 1923 which is like the big kickoff of nazism uh and of course we know that downton abbey time is sort of like soprano's time and that it like moves when it needs to yep so so something like this may take place uh, but yeah 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 and then so okay so so it, well. Then let's check in with all the women. Let's see how all the women are doing. We know that Mary starts out like listening to Morrissey a lot and ends up like wearing the purple dress that says that she means business, right? Like she switches away from from black and she dons the periwinkle or what have you yep. to get there and like el- knock elbows with the guys. How? By the way, even even in light of what we've already said, uh, what a great send off at the end of the episode it was. For as like the sound is fading off, for Jim, I'm like, now what's this about you giving up sheep? Yes. Well, it's not so simple as that, <laughs> right? Like, oh, uh, really? <laughs> it's never so simple as just giving up sheep. I Do can't. I can't
1: <laughs> yes, <you down. laughs> not so simple. Do tell. Yes,
0: well, there's clearly. Yeah. Oh man.
1: So yeah, so um, and you know, they, and what a what a fantastic assemblage, right, of of uh extravagantly bearded um, you know, tenant farmers, right, yeah. around the table uh around Lord Grantham's table.
0: I, I didn't think we were going to see beards like that south of the wall for some time. <laughs> <laughs>
1: so no, winter is coming pete
0: indeed now yeah but game of thrones is still a couple months away so i'll we'll have to wait for that um but yeah so so mary is is not is knocking elbows with uh you know colonel burnsides general burnsides or what have you <laughs> yeah, right. uh with sigmund freud and the and the and the mustachioed and the and the whiskers sigmund freud and the whiskers um lady edith may go to germany maybe or like her boyfriend is going to germany or what have you um and well she would have to go to germany to marry him there because that's why she's he's going there is to divorce his, to divorce his Jane Eyre roof, roof wife or attic wife, right?
1: right? Yeah, the mad, um, to divorce the mad woman in the attic, right?
0: Exactly, exactly. Which is, I think that's, I think that's the name of my first full book of literary, of uh, cultural criticism, right? Divorcing the mad woman in the attic. Wow,
1: that's but, uh, well, I you know um, oh, what are their names? Elizabeth Guber, uh, Elizabeth Gilbert, and Susan Gubar. I uh, may it beat you to it. There, there is an <laughs> important book it. of feminist literary criticism called The Mad Woman in the Attic.
0: Oh uh, Well, then I'm just going to have to name my first book of cultural criticism Riddick. Uh, and that will be something entirely different. Um, <laughs> at any rate, so – and we know that Mrs. Hughes is doing the same old thing she always does, which is kind of wring her hands about things. And she doesn't really have much going on right now except that she's taken up the cause of this this vaudeville stepper, this, uh, this, this uh, limelight song and dance man. And we know Violet is involved in this as well. Um, and we know the mom just got rid of the, of the nanny. And we know that Daisy is teaming up with the robots. What is your take on Daisy and the robots? Is this different When I say the robots, I mean the mixing machines (laughs) to make uh, mooses, which, as the Dowager Countess had pointed out, are of a superior quality to the mooses that are generally served.
1: Were they really? I I sort of I sort of thought she was just making conversation. Um, Had it. But, you know, perhaps they perhaps they had been. I mean, of course, she settled on that to make conversation. So it must have been immediate must have been the thing immediately apparent to her. Right. At the
0: very least, they are not much worse, unless she was being because uh, she didn't seem to be bitingly no, sarcastic.
1: No, 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 absolutely, absolutely not. Right? Um, you know, I, I, I'm not sure. There's a lot. I'm not sure. There's a lot to this, um, except that it's a, it's a labor saving, it's a labor saving device, right? But the, the in the in this sort of generational, it's this sort of generational relationship, right? Like um, Daisy is the is the bringer of. Uh, is the bringer of robots right into the kitchen, and yes. uh, and Mrs. Patmore is the bringer of valentines into yes. the kitchen. You know, like th- uh, that is to say, they they kind of represent different uh, sort of different takes on what's what's uh, important in in life. Um, the uh, I mean, Mrs. Patmore would be horrified to know that these days a woman can or or even a man can run the kitchen without uh even a woman from the village to uh to you know help her out or him
0: yeah 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 i mean the idea that people could do this all by themselves and that actually that was interesting to hear just to put in the context of contemporary kitchen management where the very wealthy people do frequently make their own meals, <laughs> like shockingly, and even eat out, even eat out at restaurants. Uh, they in even public, go public, through-
1: we could never show our faces in public.
0: Oh, and then maybe, maybe we, you know, what, is, what did she say about the Ritz? Well, Something yeah, about- except
1: at a hotel that we were staying at, <laughs> yeah. right? We could never <laughs> dine anywhere public except for that. Or, uh, you know, uh, or sometimes Mother would take us to the Ritz.
0: Yeah, yeah, exactly.
1: Because that's, you know, that's an exception. And I I pause only to mention Sandra Gilbert and Susan Gubar, uh, about whom much can be Googled, are the authors of uh, The Madwoman in the Attic, which uh, I recommend to you. Um, And its
0: sequel, Moving to Germany to Divorce the mad woman in the Attic, so that you can marry Lady Edith from Downton Abbey. Coming soon. Yeah,
1: coming soon from from (laughs) Cambridge University Press by Pete (laughs) Fenzel.
0: Yeah exactly. It's basically just uh, a transcript of the episode recap you're listening to right now. But uh it's got a heavy phonological analysis right. at the end of the event. I mean
1: I think I think that the the idea um the idea of uh what's going on with all, with all these women and even the sort of labor saving devices at the kitchen is that it gives you, um, it gives you more freedom. You know, they're, they're, they're traveling by themselves. They're eating dinner with a strange man in, in public even, you know, and, and the idea that this is not going to be, um, that this is not going to be an unmixed blessing. And also that with great power comes, comes great responsibility. Um, and I think also great vulnerability, uh, uh, right uh ra- when when you sort of step out of the the shackles of the patriarchy um uh it it uh you you have to be concerned about all kinds of things that that you were not concerned about before
0: yes when you play the game of genders, you win or you die
1: right? <laughs> well yeah, or or uh, there's also uh well, uh, yeah, anyway, sorry, no spoilers, but there, no, 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 there no. is yeah. there is a like a tragic middle term between win and die, you know
0: um, <laughs> <laughs> that is true in all plot lines <laughs> yeah
1: yeah well you could live, which is which is often worse oh, right? you will like, live. <laughs> <laughs> right.
0: <laughs> and your children will ask you, uh, well, you're watching Delta Abbey when they win the war. No, um, so, Would you be okay,
1: we... willing to trade all the days from this day to that <laughs> for one chance, just one oh, chance, man. they'll <laughs> never take our Aid mixers? <laughs> <laughs> also. <laughs>
0: So another thing that this episode showed a little bit more quietly, and I felt like this is a really big player in this change, is the way that everybody's dress has been changing. Um, Mary wears to the business meeting seems a lot simpler and less cumbersome than the stuff that she has been wearing generally. I mean we've been hearing about throughout the episode various people, uh, aristocrats, dismissing – their staff and part of this might just be because their needs are less labor-intensive they don't the outfits take less dressing right like the idea that that you know the ladies made for lady grantham is gone and they'll make do and it'll be okay it'll be fine right
1: right? because she doesn't have like 60 buttons to be done up and you know in a half an hour of lacing back and forth in order to you know pour her into the into the dress we're also leaving the world of uh uh, we're leaving the world of like corsets and things like that. Like that yeah. So, um, so they're 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 all simpler and and can be you know put on by themselves and you know and by the way Violet can eat off a tray also you yeah know.
0: <laughs> yeah sisters be doing it for themselves it's uh, it's right. yet another instance of history as Sinbad routine and, and by, by the ladies way ladies be shopping and they yeah. be going to lunch
1: <laughs> ladies ladies be shopping and by the way uh, Lady Edith be be uh, rocking that red headband right went at at the party in London to introduce her to uh her boyfriend's literary friends. Um
0: Oh yeah, she's get, she's totally come into her own. She's she's the ugly duckling duckling has become a beautiful debutante. Yeah, or not right. even debutante, socialite. Right, yeah, cuz she's
1: she's debuted, uh, yeah. she's debuted. Uh she's debuted already. Um, yeah. Rose is actually the one who hasn't debuted yet, and she hasn't been introduced into society. And so there's this sense that there are some constraints on what she can do and where she can go because she's not yet really a person, right? Uh, nice. From the from the point of view of of society, she's still she's still a child. Though clearly she sort of chafes chafes at that and wants to sort of meddle, um, and with you know hilarious consequences vis a vis Braithwaite.
0: Yeah, yeah. Definitely. She definitely reminds me of, of Kim Bauer from 24, where it's like, is there going to be a scene? She's like, oh, and now it's the adventures of the, young, the, uh, the younger girl who's supposed to bring in a different audience. right? The, the, young, the, bo- the
1: young blonde girl, right, is yes, going to exactly. go get into, get into scrapes. Um, I
0: wonder if there will be cougars. Will there be, like, Downton Downton Abbey's cougars that will stalk her and Johnny Drama will bring her to his bomb shelter?
1: Uh, (laughs) Well, yeah, Uh, there is – I mean, no spoilers, but there is a romance plot coming for her. No – crud of course I yeah, yeah, that but but magazine. but the way the way it works out is 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 very interesting and i think <laughs> will bear bear on our talk about about the generations and about, about you know the kinds of things the generations will accept yes
0: but even as one generation passeth to another hey as leaf so leaf subside to leaf so eden sank to grief so dawn goes down to day this downton abbey episode recap must itself come to a close matt do you have any final thoughts on season four episode one before we wrap
1: well i want to say thanks to ben for for trying it we had some some major problems with skype tonight which is a drag so uh, uh he had to drop off um he had to drop off halfway through the call I, uh, you know, I don't know. I'd I'd send you a Valentine, Pete, you know, just uh, just so you could. Am am I the only one who who had Maggie Smith and uh, uh, what's the actress's name? Michelle Dockery were were sitting there on the bed after after the count, the dowager countess said, I love you. And they sat down together on the bed and they were just framed in this in this sort of over the shoulder shot together. And I was like, kiss, kiss, (laughs) kiss, you two kiss. You know, was I the only one who wanted to see that? Probably.
0: Well, we all want to see things, Matthew, but it doesn't mean we get the privilege or the right. Uh, but yes, well, perhaps we'll. Perhaps there'll be more of that. Matt has seen the rest of the season after all, so he knows whether it goes in that direction or any other direction. So if you've been watching Downton Abbey and you want to make some comments about uh, the, the mechanics of hosiery in the early 20th century about uh, – you know, Lady Evith's fan fictive adventures fighting Hitler and punching him in the face, uh, she will no doubt do in the next couple of episodes. About women, about generations, about jobs, about. Upholstered chairs. Just about that's that's that salty Thomas is still. I don't even know what adjective to use for Thomas. Is he saucy? Is he salty? Is he like a salty sauce? Is he kind of like a pesto? I don't even know. But he's still he's 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 caddy is what he is. He's a caddy caddy butler. Uh, but yes, any thoughts about any of this? This is going to be a lighter, more fun. No matter how bad it gets, it's going to be a lighter and more fun recap series than Breaking Bad was, which was deeply enjoyable, but also quite the journey of the soul. Yeah. Uh, well. He Here, we'll take the same journey, but we'll do it in a carriage, and we'll make sure to get home for tea. But yes, if you want to comment, join us on the show notes, uh, or you know, subscribe to us on iTunes. Give us the five-star rating on iTunes. uh, Check out the Overthinking It podcast on iTunes, which is another great thing you can uh, listen to in your commute back and forth to work. And then visit us on the web at www.overthinkingit.com, where we subject the popular culture to a level of scrutiny. It It probably probably
1: doesn't. doesn't. Deserve.